0: Good morning. Good morning. Hey, y'all are awake. That's good. Hey, it's so good to see you. I hope you've had a good weekend so far. Hey, if you're new here, if it's your first time worshiping with us, we were pumped you're here. We are so pumped that we went shopping and we bought you something. And so, if it's your first time worshiping with us, man, take the card from the back of seat in front of you, and if you'll fill it out, drop it by Next Steps, which is in the lobby there. There's uh, two desks out there. Drop it by there. Um, they'll give you a free t-shirt and some information about our church and so we would love for you to walk out of here with that free gift today um, but today we're we're uh, this morning we're wrapping up our series that we're called we've called steps it's really kind of defining for us uh, what our dna is what what is it the things that the at the very core of who we are um, and it answers things like how can i get connected here what do we expect of our membership these are these are answers that we're finding in this this series. So we're we're talking about these three basic steps that all of us can and should take. And for those of us here at East that's gather, that's group, and it's move. And so we've already talked about the first two. So guess which one we're on? Move. Okay, here we go. So um, if you've if you've missed the previous messages, I would, especially if you call East home and, and for sickness or travel or whatever, if you've missed one of the last, please go back and listen to those because this is a terminology that we need you to understand. If you're new to East and you're just kind of filling us out and trying to figure out what in the world we're about, you can go back and listen to these two as well on Facebook and YouTube. Um, because, uh, not today, not during the service, please, but after sometime, maybe, um, yeah, that would be weird. All right. Open up your copy of God's Word if you have one, uh, to Philippians chapter two. As you're turning there, um, I'll tell you we always have Bibles available um, at Next Steps, and uh, those are those are back there that are free for you. If you need a Bible, you can go back there. Even if you just need to borrow it for a day, like somebody in the church did today, and uh, our Next Steps accidentally gave them my Bible. But here's the deal: it's okay. It's okay. Um, because we had others, so I'm using, look at that, look at uh, these are beautiful Bibles, look at that, these are what are available at Next Step, so go by and get one, just make sure, um, it looks like that, all right, um, I'm looking at you, Steve Thomas, all right, Steve will give you whatever, Steve will give you anything, he'll give you the shirt off his back or his pastor's Bible, he'll do it all, all right, um, but I need to, so a lot of, in the last few messages, we've actually walked through very practical of what it looks like. Today we're going to kind of get to the root, a little bit, more, uh, little bit more of the desire behind, the why behind it. So I want to explain to you before we even get started, when we use the term move, gather is pretty clear. Like we're talking about gathering together for fellowships and worship. Group, we're talking about gathering for our groups. But when we talk about move, I want you to understand what I mean by the word move. And so we kind of have three big buckets Um, it's not an official terminology or anything yet, but these are kind of the three buckets. When we talk about move, we're talking about the many ways that we serve God by serving others. And so for you note takers, or even if you just call East home, remember, take note of these three things before we even dive into the text. Um, the first thing is we mean serve the church, serve the church, um, move. When we say we move as members of Lindsay Lane East, it looks like finding a place to serve on one of our teams here at church. Um, the second big bucket is engage on mission. So to move as part of Lindsay Lane East means to, it looks like going with us to our community, to the nations and everywhere in between on one of our trips or our, uh, our regular mission opportunities. And it also means to make disciples. It looks like making disciples through your personal life with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, and your family. And so we're going to talk about some of those or probably all of those at some point throughout the message. Um, but the scripture that we're looking at uh, today, the Philippians 2, I believe it's one of the most beautiful passages in scripture, and I believe it defines for us as a church the way we move. So I'm going to read the whole thing, and it's 11 verses, and I'm not a great reader, so hang in there with me. I'm going to read all 11, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord says, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy make my joy complete by thinking the same way having the same love united in spirit intent on one purpose do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves everyone should look not on, not to his own interests but rather to the interests of others adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. Um, God, for your word as a whole, but God, especially for Philippians 2. God, what a beautiful declaration of who Christ was and a beautiful challenge uh, for us as his followers. So, God, I pray that today you'd help us as a church um, learn what it looks like to move, uh, to be a part of your mission here in the world, and to serve you by serving others. And, God, as we always pray, God, we ask you to be with us today and we ask you to teach us us to know you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I graduated college in 2009, uh, which meant for me that I no longer had to hear the word exam, except for maybe like doctor stuff, right? Um, I didn't have to hear the word essays. I didn't have to hear the words papers, like papers. Do you remember papers? Yeah. So I didn't have to hear those words anymore. And that was a beautiful thing for me. So I spent six years enjoying a lifestyle without those words. And for whatever reason, in 2015, um, I'll say the Lord led me. Sometimes I question that because it was so hard. (laughs) Is this what you all want me to do? But I went back to school. I went to seminary, actually, because I I just went to an undergrad. I have an undergrad in human resource management. So if you all ever fire me, that's what I'll be doing, okay? Okay. but but I went back to seminary, and, and for me, so up until this past year when I graduated, yes, it took me six years. But from fall of 2015 up to December of 2021, I heard those words a lot. Quizzes, projects, papers, essays, exams. After enjoying those without anything for six years, then for six more years, uh, to hear those again was really, really hard. But listen, those things, going back to school, those were not the hard things for me. The hardest thing about going back to school was being told what to read every day. Every day, right? Because if you don't read every day, good luck. Like that that was the whole thing. Every every teacher I had, they gave us a book this thick. They didn't give it to us. (laughs) You had to buy it. But it was a book this thick or sometimes two books this thick. Every class. And then every class gave you a syllabus. And part of that syllabus was read this book in four months. And what I can remember... uh, which is just December so surely I can remember it but but I read I read dozens and dozens of books throughout my seminary career but what I what I didn't do was ever get to choose what to read and like that's a and I'm not a big reader anyway like I'm trying to get better at that but that's an emotional thing that I was told what to read for 6 years and never got to just pick something I wanted to read but one summer I chose to and I chose Frankenstein like the book the original the classic not the movie, with uh, that guy in it. The young. Uh, anyway, not that one. The book. And here's what I found. The first time I opened. So I've been reading these. I've been reading these seminary books, and like from the first page, I've got to have a dictionary alongside it to be able to help me understand what these words are. Right? We're just using big words. We're talking in a confusing way, just because we're smarter than you. Right? That's the way these books are written. And I open up Frankenstein. Oh, I don't know if it was a digital. It was free. It's a public domain um, on Kindle. So I opened it, and I start reading it. And from page one, I'm in. Like, when you open up a classic, you can tell it, can't you? Like, the way it's written, it just draws you in. And it's so awesome. We just started reading the Chronicles of Narnia with our kids, uh, which is uh, pretty—I like it. It's neat. It's something different for our kids and has tons of— connections to the Bible and to Christ. It's really, really cool. Uh, we enjoy it. But when you open the first, like you open up line, the witch and the wardrobe and you start reading it, you're just in it. Like it just draws you in because it's written so well. Listen, when I open up to Philippians two, especially verses five through 11, like I find myself transported to that place because I think Philippians two is one of the most beautifully written things in the entire Bible. And from the first verse, I'm hooked But here's what's so crazy. As beautiful as it is, it also, it's hard to read. I hate it. Like as much as I love it, I hate it because it's so challenging. And so today I'm sharing with you, we're going to be preaching through one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible and one of the passages I hate the most because it hits it stomps on my toes so much. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. So that'd be fun. Um, so let's talk about this because we're going to see today three things uh, that are found in this passage. Describe the way we move and serve as a church. So note takers, get you pen. Here we go. Number one is this. We move together. If we're going to move as a church, we've got to move together. And we see that in verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read those again just to make sure you remember. Uh, Paul says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, if there's any affection and mercy... Now, before we even reading verse 2, go back to verse 1 there on the screens. Here's what you need to know. Paul's using a thing that I used my whole life and got in trouble for. Sarcasm. Paul's using sarcasm as a literary tool here. He's saying, if there's any encouragement in Christ, yeah, there is. If there's any consolation of love in Christ, yeah, duh, Paul. If there is any, and he keeps going, he doesn't even stop there. If there's any fellowship with the Spirit, yes, there is fellowship with the Spirit in Christ. If there is any affection and mercy, Paul, we get it. Just tell us what to do. Paul is using these sarcastic questions that you already know the answer to if you're in Christ. And he says, if these things are true, then make my joy complete. Make my joy complete. And just as Paul provides four rhetorical questions on the front end, he provides four things on the back end, which is part of why it's so beautiful. And I want to walk through these four things, four way, things Paul is calling the church in Philippi there that he's writing to to be, and I believe in turn calling us, right? That's what he says. The first thing he says, man, it, if these things are true, the first thing you need to do is think the same way is what he says. But we're going to call that having the same mind. Have the same mind. Paul says that as a church, Lindsay Lane East included, we've got to think the same way as a church. We've got to have the same understanding. What that means is that we've got to think about life the same. We've got to think about the world around us the same. It doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's certain core things, certain core beliefs, certain core ideas and, 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 and the views of the world that we've got to have that are the same. And it's going to come from spending time together in fellowship and spending time together with the Word of God opened up in front of us. All right, Kelly and I have been married for a lot of years. Tw- uh, Twelve. It'll be 13 this year. Twelve years. And what's interesting, if you knew me and Kelly before we got married, we're different people. Because something crazy happens after you're married that you begin to take on personalities of the other person. Um, You don't ever you don't ever become the same person because we still argue like (laughs) cats and dogs sometimes because we have difference of opinions and we're both hard-headed But we there are certain qualities that were actually my wife's when we got married, but now they're mine, too And there's there's the trade-off and why did that happen? Because we live in a 1400 square foot house (laughs) There's nowhere we're together all the time And the two kids take up the most of that, right? Like we're, we're together all the time. And so over time, over 12 and a half years, seven and a half years of dating before that we've been together. And so, um, this, this is a, uh, that's 20 years. We've been together this year, babe. I just did that math in my head. (laughs) April 15th. We went to prom together. Anyway, where was I? The same mind. Oh, we spent time together. So here's the call. Here's the call to the church. If we're going to do what Paul's called us to do as a church, which is have the same mind, we've got to spend time together in fellowship, and we've got to spend time together in the reading of God's Word. And that's going to happen in here for sure, and that's going to happen here, and it's going to happen in our groups on Wednesday night. And so I would just encourage you to be a part, be a part of every gathering that we're here. Be a part when the Word of God has opened up and we're here, we're studying together, we're fellowshipping together, but also be a part of groups. That's how we're going to have the same mind. Paul doesn't just stop there, though. The second thing he says of the four, he says, have the same love, share a common love. If you know the word love, we have one and I can love pizza and I can love my wife. I can love a dog. I can love a comfortable chair. And there's one word for all of them. In the ancient Greek text, there were at least six. But the one that gets the most playtime uh, the one that, that uh that is the heaviest in a lot of ways is the word agape in the Greek. Okay, and um, and what it means is that it's it's the word it's the one word that's used to describe God's unconditional love for mankind. And I think about that and I go, Man, that's heavy. God's unconditional love for mankind. John three sixteen, right? For God loves so God so loved the world he gave his only begotten Like that's the way he loved. Well, guess what word is used when Paul said, Share the same love? Guess what word he used? It's the word agape. Well, that's heavy. So what Paul is saying is in the same way that God loved the world and sent his son. That's the love I want you to share. And that's. I just want to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Humans stink sometimes, right? Can we? The first service agreed with me on that. I don't know if y'all do. Uh, Here I'll, I'll be the first to admit I can be hard to get along with sometimes. Don't say amen. I heard that. There's a mm hmm back there somewhere. Michelle Coker back there. But I'll flip it. Now that y'all agree with that, y'all can be hard to live with too. We all can be. Right? And and to be the what God has called us to be is the church, and one of my first sermons here was this example. God has called us to to get in here with one another. And to rub up against one another through relationships, through conversations, through doing life together. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to get mad. But the thing about God's agape love is that there's always grace with the love. And that's the kicker. If we're going to show love to one another, there's always got to be grace with it. And so when I do something stupid and you get mad at me, show me grace. And when you do something stupid, I'll show grace to you. And we'll do this thing together. Share the same love share the love that christ has shown to us With one another That's one of the hardest things that god's called us to do but We weren't called to easy things in christianity. We're called to hard things So paul says have the same mind have the same love. The third thing he says is have the same spirit Right have the same spirit and paul does this thing and y'all have heard me talk about this before paul does This thing where he just makes up words because he's a good pastor He just takes two words and he jams them together and puts it on the page and this is one of those moments. He takes the word for sameness. He takes the word for spirit and he shoves them together and he puts it there. It's one word. And so when I when, I want you guys to know kind of how I study, right? So anytime I come across something like united in spirit, like that's a heavy phrase. So what I do is I go study that. I want to study. I want to know what that means before I come in and talk to you. So what I do is I look for that word in other places. i got software that does it. I'm not that smart. So I look for this in other places so that I know other places where it's been used. Well, here's the problem. It's only used this one place. So I don't know what it means. No. But the good thing is it is a word that's only used one time in the whole Bible. But the idea behind being united in spirit is not a singular idea. Paul, in two other places, Ephesians four four, he says there is one body, talking about the church, and there is one spirit, he says in Ephesians four four, There's one body and one spirit. He gives a little bit more clarity to it in 1 Corinthians 12, which just so happens to be the text that you're going to be studying this Wednesday night. 1 Corinthians 12, he says we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. And then he goes on to say whether they're Jews or Greeks, no matter what your nationality is, whether you're slaves or free, no matter what you do, we were all given one spirit to drink. You see, both of these verses, they were written by Paul, and they're drawing our heart and our eye to see and understand that when we become followers of Jesus, it ain't alone. Two weeks ago, Timothy, uh, Timothy, that's a heavy charge. Kenny is what I meant to say. I don't know. Uh, Kenny, two weeks ago, Kenny preached, and he talked about the idea of community. And what he, one of the, one of the, uh, there was two examples that Kenny used that really stuck out to me, but one of them was uh, that, that when you become a Boy Scout, you don't become a Boy Scout alone. You're part of a troop. In the same way, you don't become a Christian alone. You become a Christian by being a part of a family. And the reason we can call one another Brothers and sisters in Christ, the reason we can be a part of this troop here at Lindsay Lane East is because the same spirit that fills your pastor fills you in the same quality and quantity. Church, hear me on that. The same spirit that fills me is the same spirit that fills you. I didn't get some extra dose just because I'm a pastor. Okay? We are filled with the Holy Spirit and you have that spirit from the youngest Christians in the room to the oldest, some of y'all have been believers for 60 plus years. The same spirit that's in somebody who's been a Christian for 60 years and the same Christian, the same spirit that's been in a Christian who's just converted. It's the same spirit from the most immature believers here to the most mature and everyone in between. The spirit indwells each one. And that is what binds us together. Paul says, be of the same spirit. Recognize. That we're in this thing together. We're family. And Paul says the fourth thing, be intent on one purpose. Or what we'll put for our notes just so that it all flows together well. Have the same purpose. Here's what I know. Every person on the face of the earth is driven by something. Every person on the earth is driven by something. I've talked to uh, some people. Man, uh, they, they, they want to be debt free. And if I could just be debt free. Well, guess what drives every decision they make? Being debt free. Right? Like they're not gonna st- they're not gonna they're not gonna buy something that's gonna tie them into a payment for six years. Right? Like they're just not gonna do it. They're gonna drive some car that they can pay cash for that gets really good gas. Right? You know what I mean? they they're gonna make decisions. I've talked to other men who say, Man, my goal in life is just to be a good dad. That's what drives everything else. I want to be a good daddy. Okay? Put yourself in that situation. God wants to be a good daddy. He's got an opportunity to go watch his child do something this week or uh, go hunting with a buddy. If, if, I'm not saying there's a right decision there, don't, if that's you this week, I'm sorry, okay? Just an example. But if this guy is solely driven by the purpose of being a good daddy, what answer is he going to choose every time? He's going to go to the thing. He's not going to go hunting with his buddy. Because at the heart of every person is a mission statement. Whether you put words to it or not, every person has a mission that's driving us. Your decisions will flow from that. But that's you as an individual. You see, when you become a part of a family, though God has gifted you uniquely as an individual, you're part of this family. So you're not just making decisions for yourself anymore. So we've got to have a a common direction. We've got to have a a vision. And and it's been a few weeks since I've said this. So I'm going to remind you of what drives everything we do here. And this is the way we put words behind it. Together, we are seeking above all else the glory of God in us, our neighbors, and the nations. The glory, of the, God, the glory of God is what we're striving for. It's what we're going after. So we study God's word from beginning to end, and whatever it says brings God glory. That's what we do here in our neighborhood and among the nations. And we seek that glory to be made here, uh, glory to be given to God here at our church services every week, at our groups on Wednesday nights, through relationships and mission endeavors with our neighbors and through engaging the nations with the gospel message. Church, if we're going to be a good church here at East for the foreseeable future, we've got to have, as Paul says, we've got to move together. We got to have the same mind. We got to have the same love. We got to have the same spirit. We got to have the same purpose. That's going to get us pointed in the right direction. So as we think about the third part of our DNA, we move. It's important to recognize the unity of that movement. So when I was growing up, we went to um, we used to take a beach trip every year, uh, carry a bunch of teenagers to the beach. That's always a good idea. Um, so we used to go every year and, uh, and we, we had this, we would play beach games. And so, uh, one of the games became affectionately known as the broken toe relay. Okay. And so here's what the broken toe relay was. Um, you take about 20 people, 20 teenagers, stinky, smelly teenagers, carry them out to the beach. You put a rope around them, you tie it really, really tight. About fifty yards down the beach, you put a line in the sand, and they've got to get there. Twenty people tied together, tight, walking, trying to get there. That's why it's called broken toe relay. Every single year, somebody broke a toe. Sometimes multiple uh, people in different toes. But but what's the key to that game? What's the key to the game? A lot of different. Don't break your toes um, move in the same direction, move in the same direction, whether my body's turned this way and I've got to walk cross step, whether I'm backwards and I'm walking this way or whether I'm walking forwards, we're all moving in the same direction. And, and that's what we've got to do as a church. We've got to be moving in the same direction. So we move together But Paul actually goes on to show a little bit more of the attitude that we need to have to actually pull this off. And and I've just labeled point number two this. We move for one another. We move for one another. So right after sharing that we need to move together, Paul says this in verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. You see that? So how will... A hodgepodge group of believers from different walks of life with different life experiences who are coming together to call Lindsey Lane East home and to be a part of this family. How are we ever going to accomplish the same mind, the same love, the same spirit, and the same purpose? Paul says, through humility. And here's what I want to tell you I've been in and around churches for 35 years. I turned 35 last week. 35. I'm getting old but i've been i've been serving but i've been serving in 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 a church staff vocationally for 14 of that and so for 35 years of being in church and for 14 years serving on the staff y'all i've seen it all in church for 35 years i've been in a church i've been a part of a church i've been a member of a church and i've seen fights over the craziest things crazy things And for 14 years, I've been on a church staff, so I've gotten to see behind the curtain, which means I've not only been in a business meeting, I've run a business meeting, which means I've not only, uh, well, there's a lot of other ways we go there, but we'll stop there. I've seen it on both sides, right? And so after that many years, I've I've seen seen the inner workings, I've seen conflict of every kind, I've seen disagreements over the dumbest things actually lead to church blow-ups. But here's what I'll say behind every single one of the issues. Listen to me. Behind every single issue that I've ever seen come up between people in my churches that I've been in, one thing was always at the root. One thing. Someone was looking for their own interest instead of the interest of others. Without question. That's the problem. That's the root of the... What Satan is trying to use to split up every church in our country and around the world is selfishness of heart. If Satan can get you wanting your way over wanting the way that everybody else needs for the benefit of their spiritual growth, he's got you. In every single situation, someone was looking Someone was wanting it their way without considering the feelings of others or the direction that the church was headed. That's at the root, selfishness. And that's why Paul says here, not, don't do many things out of selfish ambition or conceit. (laughs) Try to do as few things as possible out of, no, what does he say? Do no thing. No thing, nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Church, I may be simple-minded, but God's people acting in humility would radically change churches around the world today. Grudges would cease. Arguments would be smoothed over quickly. Fights over worship style, ministries, and opinions of colors and (laughs) other stuff would end peaceably. But so long as people in the church put their personal interests and desires over those of other people, y'all, we're going to keep fighting. Well, Here's what I want to say, though. I've been, I've been, I've served on, this is my third church to serve on staff. And this is my fourth church to be a member of. And Kelly and I talk about this all the time. I've never, I've never experienced a more selfless group of people than what we have here at Lindsey Lane East. And I mean that. I'm not just blowing, like, I'm not just trying to make you happy and make you like me. I literally have never been a part of a church that's more selfless. I didn't say selfish, if you heard that wrong. It's an important distinction. Do we have room to grow? Yeah, me too. Me too. A lot of room to grow. But this is good. So I think I think I think this is something that we're 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 doing well at. But I think it's something we could always get better on. This Wednesday, our groups are going to be going deeper again to this message. And right here on campus, we invite you to be a part of that. And this Wednesday, you're, if if your group leaders get there, because it's kind of towards the end, and sometimes we throw a lot of them to cover. But they're going to be quoting a guy um, who's done a ton of research in churches. And uh, he's, he's a pretty interesting guy. But um, you're going to, I, won't, I won't spoil that quote for Wednesday night. But I wanted to share another one that I read this week. And he it's in a book that he wrote about being a member of a church and what it looks like to be a part of the body of Christ. He said that a key shift that needs to take place in our hearts. Uh, this is not part of the quote. This is my words. A key, a key shift that needs to take place in our hearts if we're to be humble servants, is that we need to shift from, this is his quote, an I want mentality to an I will mentality. Do you see that difference? You see that difference? It's easy to look at the church and think about all the things that I want to receive from my church or I want my church to be for me, make this place more suitable for your desires. But I'll just be honest, it's hard to commit yourself to being part of the movement, no matter what. To say I will instead of I want. But I can tell you it's so rewarding when we do. Paul's helping us see that our service is not for personal gain, but for the benefit of other people. We want others to grow and mature, so we serve. If we want others to grow and mature here, if that's and I hope that's on your heart, that we've got to serve. If you're part of this body here at East, we don't get to be selfish. We don't, we don't get to be that way. We have to consider other people. And when we, when we consider other people, we will serve. We've got to serve in some way. So if you call East Home, uh, man, if you're just checking us out, uh, tune out for a second. But this is also what we expect, right? If you call East Home, like, be a part, begin to serve in some way, whether that's a part of one of our teams. A lot of our teams are on a weekly, rot- I mean, a monthly rotation. So you'd be serving once a month. We've got great teams that we'd love to help you connect with, help you find a place there. However, we know that a lot of the service that takes place here in the church is not part of a of a one of our official ministries. We got people that just write cards to people. Y'all, Kenny jokes a lot about loving to get things in the mail, but we do. Like we all do. When you get something besides a bill in the mail, it's good. And so we don't have an official card ministry here at the church. We've got folks that do that. We've got ton of us. We've got people that come early intentionally. They're not greeting. They're not working anywhere. They're just coming early to see you and to make you feel welcome when you're here. And they don't wear a name tag, but they're just here. So find a way that you can begin to serve. And Paul brings it all home. He says the real reason we move together and move for one another is because that's the same attitude and purpose Jesus had. Verses 5 through 7 are absolutely stunning. Um, I actually memorized these verses last year as I was studying through. I just read it, and I was like, "That's, I've got to commit that to memory. And so I memorized Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Um, I said it for the first service. I'm just going to read it to you guys because I made a few mistakes. Um, I think it'll be better. <laughs> but if you want to ask me after, if you're just trying to quiz me, I'll do it. Um, I will. Um, but if you're if you're not a good memorizer, neither am I. But this is a great place to start. It's just uh, these these you know six or seven verses. I want to read it to you. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. That's why you need to memorize it because it's so stinking good. And listen, if you needed, Paul's saying, man, if you need more reason to pursue a life of humility, here it is. If you need a reason to sign up to serve on one of our teams, if if you need some pushing to participate on one of our engage opportunities that will be coming up, if you need a little bit more nudging to start loving your neighbors and coworkers well and serving them, here it is. Listen, guys, the one who actually could have come to earth and propped his feet up and let everybody else serve him, chose not to whoa you thought about that the only person to ever walk the earth that could have said you know what y'all come on my feet hurt who wants to rub them it's a little hot in here who wants to fan me who wants to cook for me and the world would have dropped what they were doing if he had revealed his glory to them instead he chose not to and that's Psalm on my toes. Because there's times I like being served. I like for my kids to do things for me. I like when my wife does things for me. I like when people do things for me. And it's easy for me to want that. But what Jesus, what Paul's helping us remember that Jesus emptied himself and he became a servant. He humbled himself and he became obedient. You see, Christ laid everything aside for you and for me. When we were separated from God because of our sin, He stepped in. And He made a way for us to be made right. When we trust in Him, we are experiencing a freedom and joy that He purchased not only with His death, we always jump there, but first He purchased that with His humility that led to His death. Do you see that? Christ's humility is what brought us freedom. And listen, church, your choice to be humility can do the same for somebody else your choice to live a life of humility may be the very thing that brings somebody through the cross back into reconciliation with god you and i have an opportunity with the how many ever years we've got left to be humble and just as christ made a way for people to be we're not saviors i'm not asking you to die on a cross it won't work it's already been done But because of your humility, by serving other people, you can serve as a go-between to bring people to Christ who brings people to God. If Christ is our example and he is, then we must be humble. And a humble person will find people to serve. And a humble person who's looking for people to serve, who's a part of a church family, has already got them. Just look around. They're here. There's also somewhere between 20 and 40 kids right now, depends on the day, in our kids' building who need to be served. And yeah, they're gross. And they're, have, they're just nasty. And I get it. I've got to. But listen, as I told the first service, there's something about serving kids There's something about teaching kids, working with kids. When I see a kid's light bulb go off and they understand something for the first time, it means so much more to me. And don't be offended. It means so much more to me than when you grasp the same truth. And here's why. If if I can get a 10-year-old to grasp a theological truth, he's got 70, 80 years ahead of him to live it out. Okay, we'll apply that to yourself. I don't want to do the math for you. Okay? But you have less on average than the children. So that's why I love working with kids. That's why I love being in front of kids. That's why I'm a part of VBS. It's why I want to be with our kids as often as I can. When we choose to do things in an act of humility, man, this church family has been given to you to serve. And so I beg of you, start serving, whether that's joining a team here or whether that's just choosing some action that you can take part in here. And we have several, when we're talking about our teams, I'll talk about those for just a second. We have several places that are great starting points. If you'd like to respond to this message in a way by saying, I want to be a part of a team." Look, y'all, I don't have one up here with me, but on the back of the, on the sermon notes, there's that little creepy little circle thing. If you don't know what that is, it's called a QR code. And if you'll take out your smartphone and hold your camera over that and then click on the thing that pops up, I think that's how it works. That works on my phone. iPhone people, you are weird. But however it works, that'll send you to a form and you can fill that out. And and we'll actually follow up with you this week and begin to figure out how how you can serve. And listen, no pastor's ever said this. Do that during this last song. Like literally play on your phone during this last song. I'm asking you to fill out the form if that's what you want to do. You can also fill out the connect card in front of you. And there's a spot you can mark find a place to serve. We'll ask that, we also ask that you continue being a part of our mission engagement this year. There's already things going on, but the Normans who serve as our missions coordinators are working furiously to get the pieces of the puzzle in place so that we've got regular rhythms of service in our community. But they're also working to put opportunities that that go beyond our community where we're, where the kingdom of god is at work so that we can go and serve there but also bring that fire back here to do things here good stuff coming very soon so we're going to sing one more song this morning it's a time for you to respond in some way to the message of god it's not just an extra song because we got to make sure patrick's doing enough or something like it's not it's not why we do this It's not part of his job description. This is part of why we think this is important. We want to give you an opportunity, one more song to respond. And some of you may just want to respond through singing and glorifying the Christ that was humble enough to die for you. Some of you may want to come to this altar and lift up prayers for other people as a form of humility, saying, God, I know I could be spending this prayer time on myself, but I want to spend it on you. I mean, on other people, to you may also just want to come and and pray as I've been praying this week, God, get rid of the selfishness in my heart. The deep-rooted selfishness that rears its ugly head so often. Rid me of that. If you need to start serving and you know it, fill out, literally, I'm asking you, fill out the form as we sing. It's not weird. And if you're not following this humble Jesus who died on the cross for you, You'll never achieve humility until you've got the Spirit of God in you that we talked about earlier. So we would love to help you find that we'll start there. So during this during the song, I'm gonna sit I'm gonna be standing right here by these wonderful ladies up front. And I'm just gonna be right here, probably on this end. And if you'll just come just sidle up beside me and say, I need to trust in Christ. I want to live my life for Christ. Put it in however you want to word it. Just so tell me that. And we want to help you take that step to have faith in Christ and to repent of your sins. Um, We would love to help you with that. So I'm going to pray. And and after I pray, I'm going to say amen. And then you just respond however God leads you to today. Altar, coming forward to talk to us, or uh, filling out that card, okay? Whatever God leads you to do, we want you to do it. I'm going to pray. We'll we'll respond. Father, we thank you. Uh, God, for uh, just, God, the grace that you show us. um, God, I know for myself. I don't always choose the humble path. Um, God, oftentimes those around me, the closest, are the ones that have to witness that. And so, God, God, I ask for forgiveness for those times of selfishness in my heart. But God, I also pray that uh, you'd help us all. God, if we're going to be a church here and God, you're, we're going to be used for your glory, we're going to have to figure out this humble thing. And I thank you, God, that you just didn't point your finger at us and tell us we need to figure it out, but you gave us the perfect example in Christ, the perfect example of humility. And God, I pray that when Heath Haney breathes his last, that people say, that was a humble man. God, I pray that humility is what drives me more than anything else in this life. And I pray it's what this church is known for. God help us to respond in the way that we need to today. God search our hearts and draw out the things that we need to address, and God empower us with Your Spirit to be obedient in the things we need to be obedient in. We thank You, Father, for Jesus, and it's in His name we pray. Amen. The so guys will stand. Respond however you need to.